What's going on, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of Outside the Arena. Not with Mac and Griff today. Mac is out this week, so that means we brought on Gerard. Once again, a uh, familiar face to the channel. He's going to be filling in today. Um, so, yeah, basically um, just another, you know, basic, simple episode. There was some big news in the NFL this week. Obviously, the Sam Darnold trade went down. Um, but first, we're going to cover something that um, we didn't cover actually yet. We were going to cover it on OTA clips, but um, we ended up not doing that. So, um, instead, we are first going to discuss the national championship game. Obviously, happened about a week ago. Um, so, you know, is, you know, not the newest thing, but we'll still touch on it. The Baylor Bears obviously went out and disrupted Gonzaga's undefeated season. They beat uh, the breaks off of, uh, of the Bulldogs, 86 to 70. Um, I mean, all around, Baylor just played a really good game. Jared Butler, that dude is, uh, you know, he looks like an absolute star. Davion Mitchell capped off a great tournament. I mean, I'll flip this to you, Gerard. You know, what were your thoughts overall on this game? Um, even the Final Four in general. I mean, we didn't, I don't even know if we talked about uh, the UCLA game on this channel. That was a crazy, crazy great game. Um, so, yeah, overall, your thoughts on, on the, the, the finale and the tournament as a whole. I really thought the tournament was a really good one this year. There are so many upsets, so many things. That UCLA team went on such a great run. They really they got to the Final Four, and they went toe-to-toe with the best team that I thought was the best team in the country. Clearly was not in the national championship. But they went toe-to-toe with them. Um, in the national championship, Baylor just dominated from the word go. Uh, they started off with like a 7 or 9-0 run. It was like 9 nothing, And I think from that point on, there was just no way that Gonzaga was coming back. Baylor was too experienced or too much of a good team. I think that Davion Mitchell is going to be a great prospect in the N- uh, NBA. I would really like the Thunder to draft him because I'm a Thunder fan. I- I'd really like to see them draft him. He's going to be a lottery pick, and so- as well as Jared Butler. And with Gonzaga, Jalen Suggs, he, he had a great tournament as well. And, but Gonzaga just really wasn't ready to play at this national championship. I don't think they were ready for the speed, the shooting, or anything of Baylor. Yeah, I completely agree with what you said there. Um, Gonzaga, I think, you know, it's tough to say because, you know, Gonzaga did play some strong teams. I mean, you look at their, their tournament run. Um, first round, obviously, was a, a joke. But, um, you know, they played like an Oklahoma team. They played – um, you know, just looking at them, they played um, UCLA, which was, you know, really good team. I mean, look at it. Like you mentioned, that UCLA team uh, with Johnny Juzang. I mean, that kid is uh, who knows if he'll stay or whatnot. Uh, they had the J. Cole looking kid. I honestly forget his name, um, like Tiger Campbell or something like yeah. that, I think. Um, he played great. I mean, they had so many good guys. I mean, I've seen things now for next year's rankings that they're like the top team, which I think is a little excessive because, um, you know, I don't think when like Loyola Chicago made the tournament, you know, made the final four, they were you know, a top team. So I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit, definitely a good team, but I don't know if they're going to be the best in college basketball next year, but um, you know, great run from them. And, and in terms of the championship game, um, like you said, I mean, Baylor just came out and they were just, you know, too aggressive, too fast. And uh, it was just not, it was something that Gonzaga just hadn't experienced. And, and you could tell, um, you know, Baylor, I mean, Jared Butler, you know, this kid is, he, he's special um, 22 points, four for nine from three. He played great. Davion Mitchell, that was, the, was their best player in the tournament. I think, I mean, this kid was all over the place. He did everything. He, you know, they're so good on both sides of the ball too. I mean, this team defensively was just, that was the, that was the difference maker. And I mean, we saw here that, you know, you know, two of the top teams that, but at the end of the day, both have good offenses, but which team would be the, the better defensively and Baylor just, you know, shut down Gonzaga. I mean, I think for Gonzaga, they just, you know, Drew or Corey Kispert was, you know, kind of all over the place in this one. He really didn't have a great game. Um, and Drew Timmy, I mean, only seven shots for me. I mean, this guy's been your best player in the tournament and they're just not getting him involved. Uh, you know, he really was not doing too much. I know he came out late in the game. He was a little banged up, um, you know, so maybe that t- you can take that into account. But um, 
you got to get your best player involved more. Jalen Suggs, like you said, great tournament from him. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed the tournament. I thought it was great. Um, you know, some some upsets that I didn't like, the Ohio State one, notably, uh, to Oral Roberts. But, you know, that team made a run, too. They obviously beat the Florida team. I mean, so many good upsets. Um, so I guess I, – and then the next question for for, uh, for you on the, the on the subject uh, of March Madness, do you have a favorite game or, or one that you think, you know, was the, uh, the best game of this tournament? I think the best game of the tournament was definitely Gonzaga-UCLA. I mean, I was with my friends that night, and we weren't really watching the game, expecting a Gonzaga blowout, and – I, look, I turn on my phone. It's a one-point game with a few minutes left in regulation. So we turn it on, yeah. all huddled around a phone, watch it. It was a great game. It was a crazy game. And I think that was definitely the best game of the tournament. I think another really good game in the tournament was, like, the national championship was a good game. It was it was kind of a blowout, but it was fun to see the teams going up and down the court. And I really enjoyed that game as well. Um, if I had to pick one more, though, I think my personal favorite was when Loyola Chicago beat Illinois because that absolutely, absolutely destroyed everyone's brackets right there. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely a good one. I think for sure that it's hard to say, you know, the UCLA Gonzaga one wasn't the best game because that was just, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, I was with, like you said, I was with, uh, you know, family friends on and I was, you know, one of them was asking me what I thought, you know, the score of the game would be. I was like, ah, you know, Gonzaga was down a bit at the time, but I was like, ah, they'll probably win by 20. And it was just not the case. I mean, they were just, in a tight fought battle, UCLA really, really showed up. Obviously, Suggs hit that crazy buzzer beater. Um, in terms of best games, I mean, it's hard. There were so many good games in this tournament, to be honest. Um, I mean, one that I comes to mind was, you know, Oral, both of Oral Roberts' games were really good games. The one with Ohio State was, you know, a close game, came down to the end, went to overtime as well, that one. Um, and as well as the one with Florida, that was a really close game, too. Um, came down to the buzzer. So I really enjoyed those two games. Um, from Oral Roberts, some of the other games. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, there were some really good games. I know Arkansas had one really close one. I forget who they played off the top of my head, but um, I mean, there was a lot of close games. Houston was in a bunch of close games. They played like Rutgers down to the wire. Um, and, you know, Jerome was, you know, banged up. I believe that was that game. Um, but overall, I mean, just a really good tournament. Um, I mean, we saw like Abel Christian, Abilene Christian win games. I mean, it was, it was just all over the place. You never knew it was coming. No way anyone was uh, going to be predicting that perfectly, that bracket. So um, the quests are a perfect bracket, um, still remains. But overall, uh, good to see the, the, the March Madness, the March Madness, that's just March Madness uh, back in session um, as a whole. Yeah, I think, I think it was really good. And that, that Arkansas Oral Robert games, I think that was the game you look for. Oral Robert played every team they played really tight. That game oh, my went, God, dude. That game went down to a yeah. buzzer beater shot. It, it, Oral Roberts deserves, deserves some respect for this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it was – yeah, the, the Arkansas-Oral Roberts game. I mean, and also the Arkansas-Texas Tech came down to two okay. points. I mean, Texas, the Arkansas was just all over the place in this yeah. tournament. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some really good games. Oral Roberts, what, what? I mean, that team, I don't know what the deal is with, like, Ahmets and Obinar if they're seniors or whatnot, but those kids are – those kids can shoot and play, so – um, it'll be interesting to see the future of, of that team if they can find their way back in the tournament. But um, we do have to move on. Obviously, that was a, a week's news ago. Um, so we'll move on to something a little more recent, which is the New York Jets training. Sam Darnold, the Darnold era uh, is finally over. I saw that tweet resurfacing a lot, which was like, thank you, New York Giants, with on from, uh, from Darnold's draft day. Um, you know, freezing cold takes. Make sure to get in on that one. Um, you know, tough, tough end to the Darnold there, a guy who really didn't get much help. His best receiver was, you know, a guy who's going to be, he's going to be paired up with now in Carolina and Robbie Anderson. 
Um, you know, Carolina's got Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. I mean, a ton of playmakers on that offense that, you know, and great coaching Joe Brady um, and, and Matt Rule over there really going to help them out. Um, but the Jets did acquire some draft capital. They got a, a fourth round pick and then this year, and then I believe a, a second and a sixth round pick next year. Maybe I might be wrong on the years, but I know in total, I believe that was uh, what they acquired. So um, I'll start with you here, Gerard. What do you think uh, overall on the trade? Do you have a, a winner for one side of this trade per se? And uh, you know, the outlook for both these teams in the future. I think it's a really good trade for both teams. I mean, the New York Jets obviously had to move on from San Darno this year. Holding the second overall pick, you can't pass up on QB talents like Zach Wilson, maybe Justin Fields, even Mac Jones maybe up there. I'm sure they're going to go Zach. If they take Mac Jones, I'm I'm out. I'm sure they're going to go. Um, I love, personally love Mac Jones. He's going to be a good quarterback. That, But that's my hot take of the day. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure they're going to go Zach Wilson at two. I pretty, it's pretty much almost confirmed here. And uh, they also got a second, fourth, and sixth round pick of it. They now have like 21 picks in the next three years in the first three rounds or something like that. Some crazy number. Yeah. It's insane. And with Carolina, uh, Teddy Bridgewater isn't a quarterback that can be starting in the NFL. He's not a top 32 quarterback. Now they got Sam Darnold with weapons with Christian McCaffrey, Rob Andrews, Robbie Anderson. It, it's, it, I think Darnold will thrive in this offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a good trade for both sides here. Um, you know, with Darnold, I think it, a fresh start was needed, clearly. Um, he never really got a chance with the Jets, to be honest. I mean, you just look at, you know, they do have a guy like a Robbie Anderson, but they just let him walk. And the O-line was always a disaster. I mean, he was always um, under serious pressure. He never had a good running back. I mean, the Love Bell disaster that unfolded there was, was a mess. I mean, they just made all the wrong moves. So, um, you know, they wanted a fresh start. Um, they didn't want to, you know, keep him, have to commit to that. Um, but Carolina clearly is committing to him as a, as their franchise QB. They uh, they gave him, they picked up his fifth year, uh, fifth year option. So the plan is for Sam Donald to be there. And I think, you know, this year will be really telling for uh, for his career. It's a, it's a huge year for him. You know, um, he'll finally get a chance to play with um, some real players, to be honest, um, and not some stiffs coming off the streets. Like uh, who were some of those guys? I mean, they had like the, they just had stiffs. I mean, Chris Hogan's corpse was playing for them last year. They had, Braxton Barrios was like the two for half the season. I mean, what a disaster it was for the Jets. But, um, you know, he's now got a, a plethora of weapon, weapons, top running back in the game, great coaching. So um, couldn't be happier for Sam. But for the Jets here, um, you know, like you said, this team just keeps, you know, collecting and, and collecting draft capital. I mean, next year they already have two first-round picks. They added another second in that. I'm reading that the fourth is next year, the sixth is this year. So um, they're, they're just, you know, adding more draft capital, but they already have multiple firsts this year, multiple thirds. I mean, this team is going to be really exciting to watch in the future. I mean, GM Joe Douglas has done a great job. I'm um, really of reconstructing the roster. You look at the roster, um, you know, guys for the future, it's kind of unknown right now, man. I assume Mekhi Becton, Quinnen Williams took some good strides. Marcus May is uh, one of the top safeties in the league. So those are kind of the building blocks right now. Uh, and obviously Zach Wilson looks to be the guy. If they take Mac Jones, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, the, I'm out as a fan. Um, we'll definitely have to have you on for, um, you know, some more, maybe we'll even touch on it later in this, but Mac Jones at two would be a, a colossal reach in my eyes. But um, yeah, I think it was a good trade for both teams. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, I guess, you know, my next question to you here on the topic of Darnold for Carolina now, obviously the Jets still years away, probably from contending at least for Carolina. Do you think this move puts them in a spot where they can compete with teams? Obviously it's a tough division, the Tampa Bay Bucks, New Orleans Saints, uh, you know, still expected to be good. Do you think the, uh, Carolina Panthers this upcoming season can compete with those top dogs in the NFC South. 
I do not. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to run away with that division of like a 14 and two or not 14 to 14 and three, 15 and two record. I just don't think it's going to be close. I think the Atlanta Falcons are still a good team, even though they had four wins last year. I think they're better than a four win team. And New Orleans is still bringing back Jameis Winston, who's going to be a good quarterback this year, along with Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, who didn't play at all. And they still won, what, 12 games last year. I don't think Carolina is going to be able to compete in that division. But I do think they are moving in the right direction. I don't think they'll compete for the title, but I think this team could compete for a wild card spot. Um, I, I agree with you. I think this is Tampa Bay's division. I think, you know, this team really made a, you know, I think after that Kansas City game, they really started to figure themselves out. And from then on, they really didn't lose many games. If, you know, one, I don't even, I don't, they might have not lost after that game uh, to the to Kansas City during the regular season. I mean, this team really figured it out. And uh, I don't think they're going to lose the division. But I do think, you know, New Orleans, they lost some key guys. Um, you know, Breeze, I don't know. You know, we'll see what Jameis is. We really, we saw him in that one game. But other than that, we don't, we don't know what Jameis Winston is going to offer. Obviously, they do have Taysom Hill still, who, you know, is a great guy. He does everything for them. So I expect the Saints to be good, a playoff team for sure. But, um, I mean, some injuries happen, um, and who knows what you're looking at with the Saints. But for the, for the Panthers, I think, you know, the key for this team is going to be that defense. I think the offense is going to put up points. I think Darnold's going to have success. This defense is still really young. I mean, last year, um, they used every pick in the draft on, a, uh, on the defensive player. So if those guys can really make strides, I mean, we already saw Derek Brown looks good, Jeremy Chin. Um, looked good. He had some, you know, touchdowns this year for them. Um, you know, they already have some proven guys. I believe Dante Jackson's still there. Shaq Thompson, um, Brian Burns, obviously probably the star of that defense. So if this team can keep making strides, some of those younger guys who maybe didn't have the best first year, make some big strides second year, and they obviously will keep adding in the draft. I think this team could be really good. Um, I don't think they're a division winner right now, especially in the NFC South with the Bucks there, but could they make the playoffs? Sure. Why not? Um, it's a tough NFC, obviously. So, um, it's going to be tough, but at the end of the day, the Bears made the playoffs this year in the NFC going eight and eight or so. So, um, you know, the door is not completely closed. It's going to be a little competitive though. Um, NFC is, a, especially the NFC West, all four of those teams could be uh, in prime spots to make the playoffs. So going to have to be a, a tough team, but um, I think Carolina could, could squeeze in into the wild card. I could definitely see them squeezing in there, but I think my New York Giants would get in before they do. So <laughs> got, got to go for the Giants there. The Giants. I thought you'd say the Giants are division winners. That you don't. You don't have them running away with the division. I don't have them running away with the division. I mean, the Washington Football Team is going to be a good team, and I always have to remember the Dallas Cowboys do have Dak Prescott coming off injury, but Giants are going to get in some way somehow. Super Bowl champions. Well, I like what you're thinking, and you know, on the topic of the Giants, um, we can actually talk to some draft stuff. I know, you know this is kind of random, but. Um, the Dallas Cowboys have recently been in the news that Jerry Jones is infatuated by tight end prospect Kyle Pitts. Obviously, Dallas already has a stacked offense. We know that Dak Prescott's coming back from that big injury. Offensive line is going to be healthy. Who knows how that long that will last, though? So, uh, Jordan, I want to you know ask you this: Do you think the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, if Kyle Pitts is on the board, or if they even trade up, which I think would be dumb? Do you think they should take Kyle Pitts or do you think this team really needs to focus on the defensive side of the football in order to compete with a team like the New York Giants that is a defensive machine? Um, I'm very high on Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts will be the second best player in this draft next to Trevor Lawrence. And I don't think he's going to be there at 10. I see no way he falls past seven where Carolina's sitting right now or, or seven might be Detroit. 
eight, seven, eights, nine. I think he'll go yeah. between there. I don't see any way he falls to 10. But if the Cowboys were to trade up to him, I'd be very fearful of that Cowboy offense. So you think you think that's a, a better move than maybe sitting back and taking like a J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, someone to help for that secondary? I mean, the Cowboys do definitely have glaring holes on defense. And Blake yeah. Jarwin is not a terrible tight end. But I do believe, fully believe that um, now I'm blanking on his name. Kyle Pitts, sorry, is going to be the second. <laughs> he's going to be the second best yeah. player in the draft, and I think that if you trade up to get him, it'll show great rewards. I think Dallas is in a bit of a harder situation than last year because last year on the board, you know, they were picking further down. I don't know if it's 15, 14, 16, somewhere in there, but you know, CD Lamb fell to them, and CD Lamb, you know, was regarded as such a you know highly offensive talent. They were like, oh, no way he gets there, but he did. And there they were deciding between him or, you know, Clavon, Clay, Clavon Chason. I don't – that's definitely botched, but Chason, who is on Jacksonville now, um, they were signed between those two. And, you know, no offense to Chason, but he's not the prospect that, you know, these certain guys who's been, like, the best corner in the NFL or J.C. Horn, promising young guy. I don't think Caleb Farley will go that high because of the injury, but he could be there at 10. You don't know. So it's harder because I think one of those corners is going to make more of an immediate impact and – you know, really could be a superstar corner, one of the best corners in the league. I mean, their, their potential is, is sky high. But with Kyle Pitts, I mean, he, like you said, he's a superstar. I'm super high on Kyle Pitts as well. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I think um, with Pitts, I'm not thinking – I don't think the Bengals will take him. I think the Bengals for me now are, are between Sewell and Chase. Um, if the Falcons don't take him, I mean – I mean, the Falcons, who knows what they're doing. People have said they might trade out. We don't know. Um, if the Falcons pass on him for – Maybe they take a quarterback or who, who knows what happens. I mean, I could see him falling to 10 and, and it's just going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think if Kyle Pitts is on the board at 10, I, I do believe the Cowboys have to take him. I don't think you can pass up that kind of player um, as hard as it might be. I think that offense would just be unstoppable. And I think that's what you're looking at. If you add Pitts to, you know, an offense with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. I mean, that's, that's a nightmare for, for any defense. I mean, that's, that's something else, but it'll be really interesting to see if he does somehow get to 10, what they will do. I think Jerry Jones would take Kyle Pitts, but I don't know. I mean, certain Jason Warren, those are, those are some pretty elite prospects, but it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Yeah. Jerry Jones does love his bling. And I think Kyle Pitts definitely has some bling to him. So don't be shocked if he goes to the Cowboys at 10, if he's there. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And uh, I'm going to ask you about this uh, last thing on the draft before we go talk about some MLB because you did bring it up. And I'm, I mean, I'm curious, Mac Jones. So you're super high on him. You you mentioned him for two for the Jets, which I found interesting. So um, in your eyes, where do you have Mac Jones on, on your board for quarterbacks? And, um, you know, obviously it seems like the first two picks are locked in. So, I mean, do you think the San Francisco 49ers should pull the trigger in and select Mac Jones with that third overall pick? I think that... Well, with, with Justin, with Wilson, just to talk on him, uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not fully sure. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson. I'm not fully sure that Zach Wilson is going to be all that, that the Jets are talking or the, all that the Jets fans are saying he's going to be. I think he's from BYU. He got hurt. So it's, it is a risk to take him, but if he gets the right coach, he's definitely going to succeed with Mac Jones. Mac Jones has the possibility to be a great NFL quarterback, and has the possibility to be a quarterback that just won't even be in the NFL in three years. I am very high on him. And I think if you give him the right coach, maybe in a Kyle Shanahan offense, he will be great. If he doesn't go to the 49ers, if he falls into the wrong system, he's not going to succeed. 
So I think two systems where he would really succeed are that 49er system. And if he falls to New England, that New England system would really be good for him. I think Mac Jones in the right system is a very good quarterback. But if he's in the wrong system, he won't be as good as he won't be good at all. So I guess if I had to, you know, ask you another question, where do you have him compared to, you know, a, a Justin Fields or a, a Trey Lance per se, you know, assuming those top two guys are locked in, um, you know, regardless of what you think on them, where do you have him comparing to those other two guys when, you know, you know, the QB uncertainty starts to, to unfold? What do you think, you know, where, do, where does he fall on your big board? I guess. Right now I definitely have him. I have him equally graded with Justin Fields and I have Trey Lance below both of them. I mean, one, two punch with trailer. It's one, a one B with Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And then Trey Lance is definitely below them. I think either team can get a great quarterback, but either team could get a really bad quarterback. Both those guys definitely need to fall into the right system. All right. That's interesting to hear. I mean, I think I agree with that. I think, you know, the system is going to be huge. I think, you know, with Mac Jones, especially, I don't think, you know, he's a guy who can go to, you know, any system necessarily to succeed. I think, you know, he's got to have the right coaching staff. And I, I think, you know, if there is a team, Kyle Shanahan and, and his crew are, you know, the right right team to uh, to take them and, and take that risk if they really do see something. For me personally, I mean, I've been all over it on the podcast. Um, I'm just not huge on him. Um, I mean, there's obviously the athleticism, which, you know, is lacking. Um, but for me, I mean, also, I mean, look, he's a great passer. He's accurate. You can't, you can't, you know, shoot him on that. Um, you know, he's got a great arm. Um, you know, can't, can't knock him on that. But um, I mean, you look at the weapons he's had in, in his career at Alabama there, and uh, you know, just comparing it to, let's say like a Justin Fields, you know, he had, you know, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, um, Jerry Judy in the year before Henry Ruggs in the year before uh, Najee Harris will be, you know, should be a first round pick. So, you know, Justin Fields looking at him and, and the numbers Justin Fields put up, which were, you know, arguably just as impressive, if not more, um, especially dating back to that. Um, the prior year, obviously struggled this year with uh, in those games against Northwestern and Indiana, but Justin Fields, you know, he's had, um, Oh my God, who do you, ha- I mean, he's had Chris Olave, obviously who um, first, second round pick maybe for a receiver, but you know, Garrett Wilson, who, you know, who knows where he'll end up mocking up Dobbins second round running back um, O-line, you know, Mac Jones definitely had a better O-line. He'll have more first rounders or second rounders there. So for me, I just, you know, I'm a little worried about Mac Jones also in that, you know, in terms of talent, he was, you know, he had riches surrounding him. He had the best coach arguably of all time in college football. I mean, he was just in such a good system. And, you know, you can look at that and say, well, he's going to be set up better for the NFL with, you know, in terms of coaching, he's, he's going to be well prepared. But I think, it, I think it kind of, you know, what I'm alluding to is kind of like what we've been saying here, which is that it needs to be the right situation for Mac Jones. He's not going to be a guy who can just go, you know, anywhere and you know, plug him in. Um, I think, it, you know, he's going to be a guy who, if he does end up with the right situation, he could, you know, could he replicate what he did at Alabama? We'll have to see. Um, you know, we know what, you know, his, his talent package is. Um, I don't think he's going to make any, you know, glaring, you know, changes to his game. I don't think he's going to become a scrambler, obviously. Um, so, you know, we kind of know what, you know, he is thought capacitor. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, I think, you know, the key for him will be finding that right system. Um, and for me, I am just more high on like a Justin Fields per se. I mean, you can say it's biased because I'm an OSU fan. But for me, I, I think Justin Fields overall – you know, he could be arguably the most athletic quarterback in the class. I mean, he's running like a four, four, which is crazy. Um, you know, the arm strength certainly there. It's just, you know, question of, you know, people have this illusion that he can't throw past the first receiver, which is, you know, silly, um, you know, that's dumb. Um, but, you know, there are some concerns that Justin Fields isn't quite NFL. I don't know if he's not NFL ready, but um, then he might not translate well. So 
I don't know. I, it'll be tough to say. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's kind of what I got. But um, Mac Jones, definitely uh, not as high on him as you are, per se. I'd say. Yeah, just a wait-and-see game at this point. I mean, most teams probably have an idea where they're going, so you just got to see. Yeah. No, I, I think that's exactly it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if does, and Mac Jones does go at three, what happens with uh, with Trey Lance and, and Justin Fields? I mean, where do they end up? Does one of those guys fall to New England? Does, um, you know, Atlanta take one? I mean, it'll be really, you know, Philly is rumored to be maybe taking a quarterback. Maybe the Giants pounce, pounce on one, trade Danny Dimes away. Who knows? Who oh, knows wow. if that Danny Dimes <laughs> win the Super Bowl in the next two years. You heard it here first. Heard it here first. All right. Freezing cold tapes. We'll, uh, we'll have to make sure to bookmark that one. Um, but with that, I guess we can translate a little more into, uh, you know, final thing we'll really cover on today's episode, which is just uh, the MLB really um, has kicked off. Teams have played, uh, you know, eight, nine games. The Mets have only played five. The Mets have been a disaster. I'll touch on them um, in a bit. But I know you're a big Yankees guy. Um, three and five right now, I believe. They're in a game with the Rays right now. I don't know what the score was. I know they were losing when we came on here. Um you know, so far, any things that, you know, stood out to you about the MLB season, um, about the Yankees specifically, what are your thoughts on their performance? Um, really just, you know, anything in, in terms of the MLB. I just, the Yankees are a disaster right now. You're, you're <laughs> supposed to be the best team in baseball and you're three and five. You lost three straight. You're losing three, four to the Rays now. You're about to get swept by the weight race. I don't know. And Aaron Judge already been out for two games with the oblique soreness. Hero <laughs> Shallow is out. Glaber Torres can't play shortstop to save his soul. It's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal being a Yankee fan right now. And I hope I come on here in a week and we're what 10 and four and <laughs> completely possible. Um, but the Yankees just do not look good right now. The only thing that it's promising from the Yankees right now is that. Gary Sanchez does not look as bad yeah. as he's looked in the last few years. And Aaron Judge is hitting 346 right now in a six-game period, but 346 is still pretty legit. Yeah. Um, Gary Sanchez, I like that point you brought up. He's looked a lot better. I mean, he's he had those first two games and it, you know, it was looking like outrageous. He's toned it down a little bit, but still playing very well. Um, Yanks actually just tied it up. Uh just <laughs> see Glaber Torres, RBI base hits. The Yanks did tie it up. Um so that's good for them. Um, yeah, Yanks are in a weird spot. Um, you know, Domingo Herman got optioned the other day down to the alternate site. I think that guy's just, you know, it's time to go with him. Um, I think the fact that they even brought him back was was a bad move in my eyes. Um, you know, with obviously his off the field, you know, actions, and, and that's not acceptable. Um, they traded for Odor, which was, you know, that was a weird one. It's weird seeing him without the beard. He just looks yeah. not, not crazy. Good. <laughs> um, just, yeah, just, I think. Today, sorry about that. Today we just traded away Theo Estrada for cast considerations, which I have no really? idea why. Yeah. yeah. Who'd you trade him to? San Francisco you know for the... cash considerations, I'm pretty sure. Really? That's an interesting move. Um, yeah, so, I mean, with the Yankees, I think it, as it's been the past few years, it'll just be health. And right now, um, it hasn't been the best sign. Um, you obviously have, you know, some guys in the bullpen, you know, Britain, I believe is banged up. Voight's out for a while. Stanton is, is due to get injured. I hate to say it. Um, you know, obviously a talent, but um, he's still healthy, you know, eight games in, that's pretty good. Um, Judge, you know, already is, you know, on his way to an IL stint, it seems. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was back, he's back in the lineup, so who knows, but um, yeah, we'll see. Yankees, um, you know, their pitching is also another thing. They're starting pitching. Um Kluber doesn't look, you know, he had a good first start. Doesn't look amazing. Obviously, you know what you're getting in Garrett Cole, um, you know, second best pitcher in New York, probably in baseball, honestly, at this point. 
Um, um, not the best. Jacob's the best. I think that's, I think that's the definitive. Um, I think, I think that's in the video for another day, but I think that Garrett's closer than people give him credit for. No, Garrett's not close. Garrett's far. Um, Stanton's batting ninth today. What? I, that's weird. Um, yeah, but I think I, I like a lot of points that he brought up and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. Um, Glaber's got to get out of short though. He cannot play there. He's got to give a second. They got to figure something else out. Cause that is, you know, it, it can't happen. He's, I don't know what they, I mean, with LeMay who, I mean, I don't know, Gio Rochelle, if he could play shortstop, that'd probably be, be the biggest thing for them. And you just rotate the infield around, but Glaber is not, not a shortstop. Let's just say. No, he, yeah. That DD would have fit perfectly in this lineup. Yeah. Like, gosh, I wanted DD so badly. Lefty bat and a great shortstop. He would have fit perfectly. It's one thing that Cashman missed on this offseason. Yeah. I mean, I think what, yeah, it's, I mean, they have a lot of, the Yanks have a lot of good players. Um, I, you know, one thing is I don't, Hicks, I'm not big on. I think they, I mean, they signed him to that seven year deal. He's got to go. Um, you know, it's, it's tough because you can't really put Stanton in the field and you need him to be in the field. So you can have that DH spot because he got all those, you know, infielders and, and whatnot. And, and that would have allowed you to sign DD and whatnot, but um, tough situation there, but um, you know, it happens. But on the flip side of, of New York, we've got another mess as well. The New York Mets have been a, a disaster over the first five games. We've had, um, you know, the classic Mets ending, you know, on the first game where DeGrom throws a gem, they blow it, the bullpen, you know, the newcomers, of course. Um, you know, they did decent in their second game. Third game was just a blowout. Um, they beat the Marlins in that weird game where they're just, they're just not hitting. I mean, that's the end of the day. And then the DeGrom start was just, a, it's a disgrace what happened yesterday. But I'm not even going to discuss that. I don't even want to relive it. But, you know, the Mets, the, you know, the key for them right now, they're just not swinging. They're just not hitting the ball. The only guy who's had productive at-bats throughout the season has been Brandon Nemo. Um, he's on a tear right now. Like it, the, you know, he's playing great. But, I mean, Lindor is struggling. Conforto's a mess. I mean, this dude has left, like, a gazillion guys on base. I mean, it's a mess. Pete looked good, but he, the Marlins series, he slowed down. Um, Dom Smith's been all right. He's not been bad. McNeil has, you know, hit the one home run, but that's literally been it. He, he got the hair, though, which was was weird to see. He's, he's, he's got rid of the lock. So, um, he's back to the buzz cut, I think, which is, you know, sad to see a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he'll start hitting McCann's just been, you know, good in the field, but can't hit. I mean, it's, it's just, no one's hitting. It's really weird. Um, I don't even know. I mean, it's just like, you expect so much out of that lineup. So good. It looks so good on paper. And it's like, just what's happening is like, I mean, they're hitting like 140 with runners in scoring position. It's just like, ugh, it, it's sickening to watch. Honestly, that's the way I'd put it. <laughs> I mean, the, the Mets, they've been the same way for the last five years. Every year you come in, with these lofty expectations, and then they don't hit. Degrom throws gems, and they lose games for Degrom. I mean, he, he pitched what eight one run innings or one yep. one run and eight yep. innings. G- gave up fourteen what, strikeouts, fourteen strikeouts, 14 strikeouts, four hits or something, and he still lost the game. I mean, come on, that man must feel miserable for himself. Um, Jacob Degrom right now has more hits than Jeff McNeil, has as many hits as Michael Conforto, Francisco Lindor, James McCann. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, That's I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> like, like there, there's nothing to say about that. That's crazy. I mean, Francisco Lindor, he, he'll turn it around. Pete's going to be yeah. a 250, 40 home run guy. Jeff McNeil is the biggest surprise to me this year. He's been so good for the last two years, and now he's just batting 0.077. That's like he's had good contact in his defense. He's yeah. just it, nothing's fallen for him. So I think 
know, I think he'll hit that point where, you know, stuff starts to drop and, and he makes some adjustments. But Conforto has been the, the biggest mess. I mean, that dude, you got to think of the contracts maybe in his head that, you know, he's playing for a contract and, you know, maybe that's in his head, but he's got to figure it out because, you know, the way he's playing, I mean, he got dropped in the order today there. Obviously, it doesn't look like they'll play it, probably get rained out. Um, you know, it's still in a delay for like three hours. So I don't know why they haven't called it, but that could be, it's got to figure it out because right now it's it's unacceptable for him to be to be swinging the bat like that. Three for 21 with like 100 men left on base. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's both the New York baseball teams are not looking too good right now. No, both are uh, under 500 and uh, not doing the best. So no. we will see what happens with that. Obviously, some other storylines. Um, the Joe Musgrove no hitter was interesting. Um, you know, good for him. Good for the Padres to get their first no hitter in franchise history. Um, trying to think of any other things. I mean, there was obviously that Otani start on Sunday night baseball, which is pretty cool. Seeing him hit a homer throw over hundred miles per hour in the same game. I mean, it's pretty crazy what that guy's doing. Um, I mean, any other MLB things that stood out to you over the first week or so of the season? Um, not, not, not too much that, that no hitter was cool. And, Otani is just a special, a different breed, but not really. Yeah. The teams that are supposed to be winning, besides the Yankees and the Mets, are winning. And the teams that are supposed yeah. to be losing, besides everybody in the AL and NL East, are losing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a weird season kind of to start in the MLB, but uh, it is good to see fans back in the stands. It's funny to see 40,000 people at like the Rangers game. I mean, that was, that was, uh, it's good to see, though. I mean, it's positive signs. I mean, the UFC is going to be coming back with full fans soon. Obviously, uh, the Usman Mazadal fight is uh, it's approaching, uh, as well as I believe Jake Paul and Ben Askren are set to fight next week. I believe that Jake, is ready to go next week. Jake Paul's – don't be shocked if Jake Paul wins that fight in three, four rounds. You think he might knock him out in three, four rounds? I, Jake Paul is a very good boxer. I think Jake Paul is a very good boxer. I think it's hard to say. I mean, I think, you know, can't believe we're discussing Jake Paul on the podcast, but um, they're discussing on ESPN and stuff. So I think it's okay. But um, I think, I, I think it's, you know, I think no one's going to de- deny that Jake Paul is the probably better boxer of the two of them. I don't think Askins a better boxer, but I just think, you know, I just think it's going to be a long fight. I don't think Ben Askins just going to get knocked out by this dude. I mean, if you look at like Ben Askins fight with like Robbie Lawler, like that was like, the dude, the fact that that dude was even alive after like the slam and then the constant punching, and then he went on to win the fight. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. I mean, this dude's been in wars. Obviously he's most known for like that Masvidal knee, but you can't give him too much like, you know, crap for that. I mean, anyone's going down on that. That's, you know, something, you know, or one in a million type shot right there. Um, so I think his toughness is going to be the thing, um, you know, and, and Jake Paul, you know, he's never fought a guy. I mean, you look at the the amateur fight with like Deji or whatnot, but you know, whatever. That was like a five round fight or something like that. But you know, in his past two fights, he's knocked guys out in the first, second round. So, um, you know, if he gets into you know it's an eight round fight, if he gets into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, that stamina is really gonna you know we're gonna really see what he's made of. And you know, I think it's gonna be a big fight for him. You know, if he ends up knocking Ben out and like you say in, in three, four rounds, and you know that's huge for him. And and what's next for him? I don't know who would be maybe the best fit guy for. You know, his journey he obviously wants to fight McGregor, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, you know, that's probably a few years away if that happens, at least in my eyes. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly, the thing for me is I think if Askren's going to win, it's going to be like a decision. So can he get like four or five rounds? I mean, it's just going to depend on on what kind of type of fight it is. I mean, what? So your prediction is like third, fourth round J, JP knockout? Yeah, I, 
got to go JP knockout in the third four. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm with the Paul brothers and I am a Maverick for life, but <laughs> I gotta, gotta go with Jake on this one. Oh boy. Um, if I had to predict, uh, it's hard for me to predict. I mean, I think in the first three rounds or so, I think it's Jake Paul's fight, but I think after that, I think it's going to be Ben Askren. So I'm going to give Ben Askren the decision victory over Jake Paul, just to mix it up. But um, I mean, that JP knockout definitely is, it, it's possible. I just worry about, you know, you know, Askren's a tough dude. He's not going to be some, he's not like a Nate Robinson or, you know, a, a, a any son Gibb kind of guy, you know, this guy's not going to go drop after he gets touched for the first time. Yeah. Um, all right. So with that, um, I think that will do it for this episode of outside the arena. Obviously make sure to subscribe, like comment, do that, uh, as well as follow us on Spotify and Apple podcasts, um, outside the arena over there. Uh, make sure to follow us both on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Griffin Senek. Gerard's Instagram is G.Garifolo. And uh, yeah, Mac will probably be back next week. Gerard, you know, expect to see him uh, on a lot more too. You know, Gerard's a good buddy of ours. Um, we love having him on. So I'm a pleasure having you on once again this week, filling in for Mac. But uh, with that, um, yeah, take it easy, guys. And uh, we'll see you next week on uh, Outside the Arena.